0: many ways to cultivate your brand, specifically when it comes to leading teams and organizations, but taking the time to revisit your biases, your defaults, your historical references, and what it is you're doing, have done, or believe to be true can ultimately improve your leadership and evolve you over time.
1: Welcome to Lead With Your Brand.
2: everybody, Jason Patria here, and you are listening to the Lead With Your Brand podcast, which is the podcast for folks just like you who are looking to turn up the volume, show your value, and lead with your brand to your next career breakthrough. Well, I am super excited about today's guest. It is London Lomax, the CEO of Innovation Health and the Chief Strategic Advisor to the President and CEO of Aetna, a CVS health company. But before we get to London, let's talk a little bit about this summer. You are probably taking a holiday and enjoying some vacation time, but now is not the time to be taking a vacation from your brand. So let's talk a little bit about exposure, because building your network is a key element to leading with your brand. Let's be honest here. You can be a rock star and have amazing Performance at work. You can have a solid brand that's authentic and uniquely you, but if nobody knows about it, why does it matter? You've heard that adage, if a tree falls in the forest and nobody hears it or sees it, did it really fall? And I think the same thing is true about your career. So I'd like you to think a little bit about your exposure and how you're building your network it can have the greatest impact on your career. And by the way, it's not just about internal opportunities within your organization. It's also about managing externally across your industry, even your network of personal connections that can help amplify the work that you're doing. Quite frankly, when you have a great network, it makes you visible to those who can influence your career. Now, it can truly be enhanced by a network of mentors, bosses, and champions. So let's break that down a little bit, because oftentimes we miss the fact that mentors are not really coaches, right? They don't necessarily need to be subject matter experts in what you do, but rather the best mentors are those that can help you think holistically about your career. Then have got those champions out there, and, and I know you've heard that term before, but I love thinking of the notion of champions that you have both in the industry as well as within your organization. We all have these great connections that we make with different executives via projects, by working on stretch assignments, by being part of initiatives like employee resource groups. Those are folks that can be your champions. When you're looking for those champions, you want to look for those folks who simply have a voice in rooms that you are not that when great projects come up, they can mention you in rooms and endorse you and oftentimes aren't folks that have been your direct manager. So think about how are you cultivating a network of champions? And then of course you know I always talk about your direct manager. Now you don't have to be a best friend or a pal or hang out after work with your manager. But you do need to have an amazing work relationship. You need to be thinking about how am I super serving my manager in a way that they can be your biggest career cheerleader and amplifier, because guess what? They can also be your biggest career staller. So as you think about this quote unquote board of directors, now's a great time while you're sun tanning on the beach or taking that cruise, or maybe you're waiting a long time because of an airport delay while you're on holiday to think about how you can build an amazing network of folks that can enhance your career. And more importantly, What have you done for them lately? How are you interacting with them? Are you amplifying them on platforms like LinkedIn? Have you sent them an email asking how they are and giving them an update on key projects you're working on? Or are you waiting until there's that great job and you need to call in a favor? Remember, you always want to be feeding your network so that people are willing to pick up the phone when you need support. Well, I am thrilled about today's guest. It is London Lomax, the CEO of Innovation Health and the Chief Strategic Advisor to the President and CEO of Aetna, a CVS health company. Now, London joined Innovation Health's leadership team back in January of 2022, and with his strategic health plan and marketing leadership expertise, he will guide the continued success and expansion of Innovation Health with a focus on member growth and access to quality health coverage for the Washington, D.C. metro area. Now, London has held a variety of strategic roles across diverse industries, from fully funded startups to Fortune 50 companies. In addition to being the CEO of Innovation Health, he is also the chief strategic advisor to the president and CEO of Aetna. Now, London joined Aetna from Smile Health, where he was the vice president for growth and distribution effectiveness. And prior to that, he held leadership positions, both domestically and internationally, in product innovation, data analytics, strategic planning, sales, and marketing at Emblem Health and AIG. He is a 2021 Denver Business Journal 40 Under 40 Award recipient and was voted as one of Modern Healthcare's 25 Emerging Leaders in Healthcare for 2021. We'll be back in a few moments with London Lomax. And we are back. I am here with an amazing guest today. It is London Lomax, the CEO of Innovation Health. London, what is going on? How
0: are you doing today? I really appreciate the uh, the time. I- I'm doing uh, really well.
2: Well, I am thrilled to have you. Tell me what cool things are happening at Innovation Health.
0: Oh, uh, We are driving uh, growth and, and engagement around health in the uh, the metro DC area, and we are excited to, to be present in our local community.
2: So London, talk to me when you first meet people and you introduce yourself. How do you explain who you are and what it is that you do?
0: That's a, that's a great question. Uh, I'm not that interesting. I would just say I'm a guy from Texas, uh, born and <laughs> raised, um, currently residing in Denver, Colorado and working across the country and in, in Washington DC and, and other markets. Uh, for CBS Health, Aetna, as well as Innovation Health. So um, healthcare professional, um, really excited um, and, and happy for the days that I have here, in, you know, on this uh, this planet and the time I have with people that I care about.
2: Well, that's awesome. So I want to hear a little bit about your your career breakthroughs, and you've had an amazing career breakthrough just this year, uh, moving up into the chief executive officer role. So talk to me a little bit about that and, and how you got to this point.
0: I would say it's definitely a breakthrough and a unique opportunity. I would have to say that, you know, the opportunity to lead and, and cultivate high-performing teens early in my career has, has really led me here. Um, I, I think the word the key word here is early, right? As um, That has allowed me to really develop and, and test my my leadership style along the way. Um, humbly, you know, I don't think that this is going to be the, the biggest career breakthrough. I think this is an awesome experience. I've always been about significance in my life and, and and giving back and doing meaningful things, uh, not only for the people that I love, but the communities in which I live in. Um, you know, I believe my professional journey um, has been a constant movement, you know, from success to, you know, hopefully getting to significance. And I, I view my role as a CEO of Innovation Health as a, as a culmination of and a testament uh, to the ways I've mindfully developed my leadership style.
2: Yeah. And, and tell me, how did you even get into the healthcare business?
0: Oh, that's, that's a, that's a fun story for you. Uh, I actually fell into it. (laughs) I started my career in banking, um, you know, ironically was a personal banker and then, uh, you know, assistant banking center manager at one point. Uh, And then I realized that I I really wanted to get into an environment where I was able to, um, you know, influence change, influence strategy and best practices and culture. Uh, And it's, it's often hard to do it in the field. Uh, so I wanted to get into a corporate environment and and took my journey to uh, to start my uh, master's in organizational leadership, where I met uh, a couple of unique HR business partners in the healthcare space. Ironically, at Aetna. yeah, and uh, you know built a relationship, went in for some conversations, and uh, then uh, was selected to be a part of as a leadership rotational program years back. And uh, that's where I, I tell people I got baptized into healthcare. <laughs>
2: And and tell me what does that mean to be baptized in healthcare? I, I mean, if you talk to any
0: healthcare professional, all the acronyms, um, you know, all the compliance, <laughs> all of the uh, the things that uh, you wouldn't consider as part of being, uh, you know, healthcare insurance, healthcare delivery, uh, and, and just general care, uh, and all the things that go into it. I, it was truly a baptism and, and truly kind of uh, you're going to get dunked and, and you got to figure it out. But when you come out of it, uh, you're going to be a better man and a better professional for it.
2: Yeah. And so I know that you originally started in, in finance. What was that moment that you thought to yourself, you know what, I'm going down a path and this isn't right for me. And I actually need to go into a completely different industry.
0: Uh, you know, that's a great question. You know, a couple of things with finance, you know, this idea that you know engagement with people um, and taking care of people, and, and I know you know finance has become a really big focus you know over the over the years and just financial education and literacy and things of that nature. Um, and, and that was something that I was ca- conscious of earlier in my career. Um, but this idea of you know morbidity and, and mortality as it relates to health. I mean, we have one body, we have a certain amount of time on this planet, and you want to take care of your temple and you want to make sure, sure folks have access to quality care um you know when they need it. Um they're educated around it. And you know, I, I really started to to read more about the healthcare ecosystem and the opportunities for improvement um and the opportunities professionally within that space. And that's what really uh really got me rolling and, and obviously in tandem uh you know getting that opportunity to to be a part of the leadership program
2: yeah now talk to me about some some career breakthroughs in the healthcare space. You know you were in a rotational leadership program, right which which are great and a lot of people do. but what were some of those other career breakthroughs that kind of led you on this path to to being a senior leader and ultimately a CEO?
0: Yeah, I mean, for me, I think it was just learning. Uh, you know a lot of those breakthroughs were, were were leaders and mentors that gave me the opportunity. Um, to have the conversations and to learn from their experiences and to even, you know, sit in the room with them, um, or work on projects with them as it relates to, you know, the, the companies that I, that I worked for and, uh, and the communities I served. Uh, you know, one of those was at AIG where I was, uh, working with a group of folks that were responsible for, uh, you know, global health product development where I had no experience. <laughs> and, you know, I, I got to really understand, you know, what healthcare means and what it is, and how it's you know classified in other countries, um, you know what the relationship to healthcare is, how it's funded, and even national healthcare systems. When you think about expat and ancillary health products and so on, uh, which were really fascinating because you know I'm not going to say it's totally different than Western culture, but but you know some some you know countries have a a, a different relationship with health, and so that was one that really yeah. opened my eyes to it. And then you know working for. Uh, you know, emblem health for a period of time and, and, and smile health and, and just different areas of healthcare delivery um, and education and communities that are uh, receiving uh, this type of care. You realize that healthcare in New York and the folks that are walking the streets in New York, uh, which I lived for a number of years is very different than healthcare mm-hmm. in California where you're surfing waves every day. Um, and you're, and <laughs> you're, you're walking in shorts and, and flip-flops and, uh, you know, very different than Texas where I grew up. So just appreciating uh, the differences in health and and care delivery across the country and having those opportunities to experience that uh, with leaders and and organizations um, that are across this country.
2: Yeah. Now, talk to me a little bit about growing up in Texas. When you were a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? I wanted to be an oceanographer. <laughs> what? An oceanographer. Okay. That's a unique, cool kid that says they want to be an oceanographer. It was
0: so weird. And I, and I, and I can swim. I'll, I'll throw that out there. I can swim, but uh, I have never been that deep into the ocean. And, uh, you know, I went to, uh, uh, I went to an event where I got to see, you know, what they do and explore their career. And I was like, you know what? I don't want to be in a, you know, small compact submarine, you know, exploring the, di- the depths of the sea. And uh, I just, that just isn't me. So I, I quickly, uh, you know, migrated to football and sports. I was always a, a sports kid growing up um, and, you know, I was a high school and college athlete and, and football and track and so on. Uh, and, you know, I think that's uh, what kind of has led to my team approach, my collaborative thinking and, and, and just understanding what it means to, you know, to be a part of big teams, be a part of, um, you know, big lofty goals and, and, and you know, having a role and having a positioning and, and trying to do it well while also understanding that um, everyone is important. Uh, and, and I think that that's one of the biggest uh, things that I've drawn as a connection to the healthcare industry is there's so many yeah. players, there's so many organizations, there's so many roles that we all have uh, from doctors and physicians and surgeons and nurses to insurers, to regulators, to, and policymakers, um, and to the consumers and, and the communities in which you have to create safe spaces to engage and educate as it relates to uh, what's available. Uh, so, uh, I think my life growing up in Texas and that type of environment, uh, ha- has allowed me to be open to that.
2: Yeah. Yeah. What's one of those lessons that you learned? On one of those sports teams <laughs> that you apply that you apply today, leading these big teams.
0: Ooh, um, I'd say train as an athlete and conduct yourself in, as a gentleman in everything you do. Wow uh, that that was a that was a quote from Mike Johnson, my high school head coach, and it's always stuck with me. And when you think about training as an athlete, how does an athlete train? They train uh, rigorously. They train uh, with discipline, intention. Uh, they often put their, their selves, uh, uh, you know, in the back seat. you know, when it comes to everyone else. Um, and, and ultimately your goal as an athlete is to prepare yourself for when you step on that field and, and to deliver on whatever it is you're, lo- you're looking to deliver on. And in and, and most cases to win the game, to be successful. Um, you know, that's how I think about training as an athlete. And I think conducting yourself as a gentleman or gentle lady, <laughs> right. Um, and one yeah. of the things you do is just respect, kindness, decency, um, assuming positive intent, uh, being a good person, being a good human, and you know what's fascinating about that is that didn't resonate with me until I you know was older, right? And so after high school, after you know probably in college, where you know we we're, were all done being knuckleheads, <laughs> um, those two phrases just really stuck with me and have kind of helped me navigate my personal life, my professional career, and I think are, are very present in health present in healthcare. As a lot of the folks I've, I've worked with over the years are all extremely hard workers. Um, I think everyone comes to these type of jobs in this industry to do a good job and to give and to serve. Um, and you know, it, it, it's definitely a, a, a really strong connection for me.
2: Yeah. Now, let's talk a little bit about your brand as an executive. Give me three words uh, that you would use to describe your brand as a CEO and leader.
0: Ooh, three words. I would say empathy forward, results driven, and decisive.
2: Awesome. So empathy forward, results driven and decisive. So talk to me about empathy forward because I love that it's, it's, it's two words combined. What does that look like on you, London?
1: Oh,
0: um, I I think it, it, it very much aligns with who I am as a human being. Um, you know, I, I really do my best every day to, to drive towards this idea of, you know, we're all human beings. We all have families. We all put our pants on the same way, or our shorts, or whatever it is, our socks. Um, and you know, be kind. You know, be a good person, be a good human. And I think if you if you gravitate towards that as your as your core and your base, a lot of things will take care of themselves. Um, and I know we live in a, a often a selfish and individualistic culture as as westerners. I'm sure folks, a lot of folks feel that way, um, depending, depending on where you are in this country um, and in the world. Uh, But, you know, if you lead with empathy, uh, I think you'll start to see the response that that you want in other people, and you'll start to see the outcomes that you want in the environment that you're surrounded in.
2: Yeah. And it strikes me, London, that a lot of times people feel that empathy can't go hand-in-hand with getting results and being decisive, so how how do you find how do you find that balance that other people see as not being possible existing together?
0: Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Um, I'm still learning that. I'll be honest, I'm still learning how how that all balances all together. Um, you know, I've always felt that you have to have the results, you have to meet the the requirements, otherwise you either don't have a job or you're not considered, or you know something goes awry. Right, that, that's just the reality. Um, but I've always felt you don't have to lose the empathy in order to do that. And I think it goes back to that quote I mentioned earlier, right? Is how you're training, who you're driving, how you're, how you're building your life or your, your mentality or your actions and your discipline. That's all great, but you can do all of that with still being a good person and a good human. And I think for me that, I think that just takes the conscious effort of, you know, really asking yourself, uh, you know, <laughs> am I doing what's right? Um, do I like this person in the mirror Right. Um, you know, yeah, and and also this uh, this idea, this case of leadership around kind of brand projection, you know, do you like this person and why or why not? And do you want to change that uh, that projection? Do you want people to feel a certain way? Do you want people to feel differently about um, how they receive you and how they engage with you? Uh, and sometimes you can't control it. But um, I think that's core. Uh, but I've never felt that, you know, y- that's that's the only element that can't be you know coupled with results results and and decisiveness I, i've always felt they can always be together it's a, but 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 it's it's a tango if you will <laughs>
2: Uh, and it sounds like you've had some good dancing lessons here, (laughs) right? Um, (laughs) no, I love your whole notion of, of your brand projection, right? And, and that's why I love using the term leading with your brand, right? Like when, when do we become conscious and look at those behaviors in the way we want to show up? Mm -hmm. Tell me London, how has this brand evolved for you throughout your career?
0: Yeah, I personally love the word evolve. Uh, because it's inevitable, right? If you, if you don't, yeah. if you don't evolve, you're going to evaporate and just turn into something else, right? I, yeah, I've, always, <laughs> I've always felt, you know, companies, strategies, industries, friendships, relationships, and of course, your own leadership style all must evolve. Otherwise, uh, you know, they often become ineffective or obsolete, you know, yeah. and I personally have focused much of my career on leveraging, you know, senior mentors and peer mentors to constantly evolve my leadership education style and approach. Uh, and, and I like to think that I've borrowed lots of elements from from leaders and friends and people that I've worked for um, and peers I've learned from both directly and indirectly. Um, you know, I, I believe that's the uh, there are many ways to cultivate your brand, specifically when it comes to leading teams and organizations, but taking the time to revisit your biases, your defaults, your historical references and what it is you're doing, have done or believe to be true can ultimately improve your leadership and evolve you over time, uh, and I think this doing this creates space for growth and, and advancement and positivity um, and change towards whatever objectives you're looking for. I think that's one of the challenges. Is most companies or big organizations will come out with these lofty goals and, and objectives, but they don't want to look in the mirror and 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 really change and, and do with that. Uh, do the work and do the work it takes to potentially change how they think and change how they operate or see their people and, or how they show up in markets and environments. And I think that's goes back to this whole f- phrase of evolution or evolve. Um, yeah. You know, it's hard work.
2: <laughs> and tell me what, what were some things that you needed to evolve or shift stepping into the CEO role?
0: Um I think for me, uh, even honing in more on those skills of of empathy and and, and results and decisiveness. I mean, I think those are, you know, three key phrases, uh, you know, that a CEO has to constantly think about when you're leading people. Uh, You're the executive officer of a group of people or an organization. Um, So there is a human component. Uh, You are put in a position to drive for results. That is why you're there. Um, And you have to be decisive. So I've really had to look at those three things, within myself, um, and, and really determine, you know, how I balance those, um, and and which ones of those show up, uh, at the appropriate times. And I think the other piece just personally, um, is aligning more to my purpose in life. And I've always felt, you know, my purpose in life is to unify and inspire people. And, um, you know, when you get into positions of influence, uh, you know, that responsibility is heightened. And, and for me, you know, I've really taken that, Taking that on as, as very very important to me personally, um, as I evolve as a as an executive, but also as a, as a man
2: yeah so I love that you can so clearly articulate your purpose or your mission to unify and inspire people you know uh, people come to me all the time because they really struggle with identifying their purpose. When is it that you identified that as your purpose and and how did how were you able to kind of crystallize that
0: oh that's a that's a that's a great one um it it's it probably took me 27 years, twenty seven years 27 years to really yeah understand it and um, accept it and not run from it. I think that was my biggest uh, lesson um, throughout my life. And even going back to what we talked about sports and high school and college, um, I was always looked at as a leader. I was always somebody that people put in front or I was athletic enough to be in the front or whatever it was, or yeah. um, I looked different in a lot of rights. Um, and as an immature, younger adult, I, I didn't want that responsibility and what that meant. Right, Uh, Mm -hmm. what that really means to be a unifier and somebody who inspires others. Um, I wanted to sit at the back. (laughs) I wanted just to do the job and (laughs) over the radar, or 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 just catch the ball and score a touchdown and go whatever. Um, But what I quickly realized was that it was a a god given or god you know tap thing, and I had to really learn how to hone in on it and accept it and do the work. Right. So you know if you want to be a unifier of people. You got to be careful about your judgment. You got to be careful about your ego. You got to be careful about a lot of things that um, a lot of folks don't have to be that aren't unifiers and that aren't connectors. Mm. Um, You know, if you're going to be somebody that inspires someone, well, what are you doing to inspire people? And, and, you know, why should they care? And even more so, you know, this idea of empathy, you know, is I think a big driver of that. Is, is this, is this somebody that I can get behind? Somebody that I can trust. I think speed to trust is really important when it comes to that. So if you, if you fast forward, you know, from you know high school, middle school to college and a little bit further after that, um, a lot of the opportunities I was receiving in my life were leadership opportunities and opportunities to connect and to build and to have groups of people and um, and, you know, really thinking about these things and i I tried to run from it often (laughs) and it kept kept pulling me back kept pulling me back and until i had some you know have my personal board of directors uh you know all ages all professions and and shape sizes and colors and all that and a lot of them would tell me a lot of the same things is now you are this and this is how we see you and you know you can run from it or you can you can deny it but you know the minute you accepted the the, the minute your life will change and you'll start living in your purpose. And, and, and that was something that I think really transformed my life. And I truly believe no matter what the world throws at me or, or my family or, or, or what I, what comes to the front door, I'll be, I'll be prepared for it. And, uh, yeah, I, I think that purpose is a huge driver of it.
2: And I know you you were resisting that that purpose what what was one of those moments where you literally just stopped and said, no, you know what i'm I'm gonna follow the advice and I'm gonna go towards how people see me as this leader and unifier
0: I don't think there was one moment I think it was a culmination of moments uh you know I lived in New York for a bit and I'm sure as, as a lot of folks know that uh you know in your twenties in New York this is a while back in your twenties um and you know it, it's a steel city it's a, it's a tough city right it, it can be it, it, can, it can make you it can it can break you it can shape you all those things and it can really have you look inward and, and i think that was that was a, a big period of time in my life where i had to you know really ask myself you know what do you want out of this life what do you want out of this time um and, and these blessings that are around you and i think as as i looked in the mirror and as i you know walked on walked to the you know, to the to the subway, got on the two, three train downtown, you know, often in the, in the freezing cold, you know, uh, you really have to you really have to ask yourself those questions. And I think the culmination of that period of time and and just my life and my experiences uh, really helped me uh, acknowledge it and accept it and just say, I'm going to I'm going to be this person um, and and I'm going to build myself to to uh, to being and supporting and loving others in that way, but also uh, creating value for for those uh, folks that I that I partner with and I serve across my life.
2: Yeah, and London, you talked about having this board of directors, right? You talked about having some really great mentors. What was maybe a time that that one of your your mentors or your board, someone gave you feedback that you know the way you were showing up wasn't maybe the way that you intended to, and how did you make one of those shifts?
0: Oh, I'll never forget this one. This was a uh, this was a funny one. It was um, uh, feedback. Probably eight years ago, eight or uh, seven, eight years ago, uh, uh, a manager of mine at the time said, "Hey, London, you know, I have one, I have a big development opportunity for us." I said, "Okay, what is it?" She said, "Um, "I want you to lead without driving." Ooh. And I was like, "Okay, how do I? How do I? What what does that even mean? How do I do it?" And you know, and um, I think what that translates to now in my older years and just maturity in my profession and just life is you have to trust others and enable others right mm. um, you can't always be the the driver of the ship or, or the boat sometimes you got to sit to the right the left the back whatever it is and and support um, be an advisor be counsel and then there's gonna be times for you to drive things or whatever it may be and I think that was um that was a part of my athlete mentality I think uh, earlier in my yeah. ambition and the and the drive and discipline and being the winner and all that um, but I think that uh, building uh, the discipline around not, driving and being able to, to hone in on other leadership abilities and, and skill sets and competencies uh, would be a good example of, of uh, uh, an opportunity for development that I really focused on the last uh, the last, you know, seven, eight years of my life.
2: Yeah. And and what are some things that you did to even be comfortable, <laughs> right? Not being the MVP, right? And, and, yeah. and, and leading other people to be MVPs
0: Um, being okay with exactly what you said. You don't need to be the MVP. I mean, it's, it's about the team win. I think we've seen it with the Patriots, right? We've seen it with a lot of, (laughs) a lot of great organizations that have a winning culture of team first, Um, you know, regardless of who the quarterback is, even though we know Tom is the man, right. Um, And and regardless of of some of the players, um, I think that was the first piece. And then finding people that you trust. I think that's a, that's a big one is, you know, uh, I think trust is so underrated as it relates to professional lives, personal lives, whatever it is, finding people you believe in, finding people you trust um, and enabling them to be successful. It just multiplies. Right. Uh, And and I'm a firm believer in that.
2: And so London, talk to me about your board of directors. You know, that, that's feels like it's a very textbook thing that, that we always preach to people in leadership training, right? Get your, your board of directors, but how have you, been able to assemble this like diverse mix of folks that you talked about, like how, and how do you make that work for you?
0: Yeah. um, It's a fascinating uh, concept, but you know, the board of directors is is the technical term, right. That we use, but um, I, I just say your mentors and, and, and your, you know, your mentors and your sponsors, that that's the reality. And then if you want to knock it, knock it down a a level below that, it's your colleagues and your friends that that's your trust, right? So however, whichever way you want to articulate it in what setting, Um, but for me, I think it's been, it's often been natural and, um, you know, not having a, not always having a, a a specific agenda, right. Is, Mm. is how do you build natural and cultivate natural relationships with people without having a clear cut? Oh, this guy just wants my time for this, or this, this woman just wants my time for this. You know, I, uh, I think as time goes on, everyone's time is very precious and folks are more and more selective as to who they give it to. And I think people want to yeah. give it to people that they want to actually spend time with or they want to be vested in or they trust. Um, and so for me personally, that's just been my approach. Um, and, and it's often been more of what can I do for you, right? And, and in the back of my mind, you know, my personal agenda is always how can I learn, right? I think that's, the, that's the, the, the most humble way I can say it is what can I learn from this person versus what can they specifically just do for me? Uh, and I think, you know, a lot of mentors respond a little bit differently to that, um, versus I need a job or, (laughs) right? I I want you to (laughs) give me a reference today or, and, and, and it's, you know, it's funny to think about, but I think that's also generational too, right? So as you think about the different generations and Gen Z's, Gen X's, Gen Y's, millennials and so on, um, how we, how we all approach relationships. And building them and cultivating them, and then who actually becomes a part of those board, board of directors is very different per generation. And I think that's that's also something to consider for new leaders coming, and then you know older leaders that are uh, hitting, hitting retirement, right? And you know taking that knowledge with them. Uh, so those are you know that's how I would kind of think or contextualize my board of directors.
2: Yeah, and I love that it really just comes back to what makes you authentically you, right? That's that empathy forward is not approaching it as some transactional uh, relationship, right? It, it's really about uh, about showing empathy there and learning. Absolutely. So, London, um, a couple of quick, fun, final questions for you. We've been talking all about uh, your executive brand. Uh, what's What's your favorite brand as a consumer? What are you obsessed with and, and can't live without?
0: I would I would <laughs> I would obviously say CVS Health. <laughs> no, um, outside of CVS Health, I, you know, I'm a big, big Tesla fan. Uh, you know, just uh, just ordered my first EV, so that's going to be really exciting. Um, and, you know, as it relates to, uh, food, I am a huge, uh, you know, uh, hibachi guy. I, I love, I love the hibachi and Benihana bin, and, uh, you know, food, food, food experience. Um, and, you know, I'm big, 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 big on shoes. Love my, love my Nike free runners.
2: <laughs> You've gotta love Nike. Um, now, speaking of cars, if you were a type of car, London, what type of car would you be?
0: Oh, this is gonna this is gonna say a lot about me. But I am from Texas, so I, I will I will uh I'll fly some air cover here. But I am a Corvette guy.
2: Ooh, and why are you? Why would you be a Corvette? Um, you know I, I like
0: I like to go fast sometimes, and um I like the aerodynamic uh you know uh, visual of the Corvette, and uh and they're always fun, always fun, and uh, all you need is one passenger. Ah.
2: Uh- <laughs> <laughs> And finally, London, what's the best career advice you'd like to pass on to our listeners?
0: I'd say my advice would be, be a good human, be a good teammate. Uh, This means, you know, doing the best to assume positive intent, being open to change and ambiguity, uh, being bold and asking for what you want. And, you know, delivering on your promises and, and above all else, you know, be you and practice these principles in your roles as a mentor, a mentee and a teammate and the rest will follow follow and fall in line Mm,
2: wise words well london lomax thank you so much for showing your empathy and your drive for results and being decisive it's been great connecting with you
0: i really appreciate the time and i hope you have an
2: awesome evening and we'll be back in just a few moments with my final thoughts
1: are you tired of not being recognized for your work Are you ready to rise above the rest and accelerate to the next level? The Lead With Your Brand Career Breakthrough Mentoring Program will help you take control of your career, develop your own unique brand, and catapult you to a whole new level of success. You are a top performer, and the Lead With Your Brand Career Breakthrough Mentoring Program is what you need to get you there. Visit leadwithyourbrand.com to learn how.
2: What an amazing conversation with London Lomax, the CEO of Innovation Health. You know, he had so many great career nuggets to really simmer and think on, but it really touched me when he talked about finding his purpose and even knowing that it took him a long time to find his purpose. You know, we always talk about purpose and mission in the lead with your brand system because quite frankly, what your purpose is, what you're driven to do will help you be successful not only in your career and in life. When you can define what you really love to do, what you felt you were put on this earth to do, it will guide you to find the right roles, the right companies, and the right experiences. In addition, it can also help you bring purpose into any role. You can look at your job and say, "Hey, I'm just here to do data analysis," or "Hey, I'm here to do research," or "Hey, I'm here to tell stories on the screen." But At the end of the day, if you weave your purpose in, you can find purpose in any work that you're doing and really amplify your secret sauce, which is your Uniquely You brand. Well, that is our show for you today. If you loved what you heard, make sure that you are following us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts and we'll bring you a brand new show every single Tuesday. Make sure to check me out on social media. I'm at Jason Patria on all platforms and go ahead and follow or connect with me on LinkedIn where I share tons of tips and tricks on how to lead with your brand to your next career breakthrough. Most importantly, In your career, don't be a boring old commodity like coffee. Make sure you are a super premium brand like Starbucks.
1: You've been listening to Lead With Your Brand, the podcast that explores and uncovers exceptional career success stories and inspiring personal brand journeys with your host, personal branding expert, diversity advocate, and keynote speaker, Jason Patria.